The Injured Senior Podcast is here to help. Like it or not, the senior and elderly population is vulnerable to negligence committed by medical professionals, nursing homes, assisted living facilities, pharmaceutical and medical device companies, insurance companies, and everyday individuals and businesses. Your host, Steve Heisler, creator of the National Injured Senior Law Center, has been advocating for seniors' rights for over 30 years and is bringing you answers to your questions. This is the Injured Senior Podcast. Greetings, Injured Senior Nation. This is Steve Heisler, founder and CEO of the National Injured Senior Law Center, and you are tuned in to the latest episode of the Injured Senior Podcast. The Injured Senior Podcast is a podcast dedicated to discussing legal and medical issues of vital importance to the injured senior nation, their families, loved ones, and caregivers. We are sponsored by the National Injured Senior Law Center, the legal advocates for seniors and elderly who are injured due to the negligence of others. Now, if you've been harmed by the carelessness of a medical professional, nursing home, or medical device, go to www.InjuredSeniorHotline.com or call 877-228-4878 for help. So, Injured Senior Nation, a survey done by the Commonwealth Fund indicates that 7 million elderly Americans are struggling with paying their medical bills and accrued medical debt over time. Now, an AARP report done in 2018 says that even with Medicare and Medicaid, 12% of American adults 65 and older have issues paying for health-related costs. Examples are prescription drug prices, home care, long-term care. This brings up the question, my friends, can bankruptcy be an option for our injured senior nation when they cannot pay down their staggering medical debt? Here to discuss this issue is attorney Ron Drescher. Now, folks, Ron is the owner and operator of Drescher & Associates, a law firm in Pikesville, Maryland, where I live, uh, focusing on bankruptcy and creditors' rights. Now, he's licensed in Maryland, Delaware, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and the federal courts of the District of Columbia. Good day, Ron. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's awesome. So, Injured Senior Nation, Ron's son and my stepson are very good pals. And Ron's son, Lyle, is a bit of an internet star. Isn't that right, Ron? Yeah, he's got a, a stream called Therapy Gecko that uh, broadcasts uh, three nights a week. And he dresses up in a gecko costume, paints his face green, and just has, has chats with people who call in. And it's gotten to be very popular, uh, and um, we see a future for him. Right, it's a therapy so we, gecko. Yes, yeah, we should refer to you as Lyle Drescher's father, right? Uh, I, that wouldn't bother me at all. Yeah, okay. All right, and, and you are related to Fran Drescher. Uh, for our uh, listeners who remember the nanny back in the 90s, that's that's your cousin, right? Yeah, she's uh, she's awesome. She's the nicest person in the world. 
she um, is supremely talented, and um, we're we're close, and and we're all really very proud of her in our family. That's awesome. All right, let's talk about what you have an expertise in. So, should our injured senior nation consider bankruptcy when they're faced with mounting medical bill debt? Unquestionably, they should consider bankruptcy. They should talk to an attorney. Almost every bankruptcy lawyer offers a free consult, but not always, um, to, to get their options and figure out what is the right course for them to take depending upon how much and what kind of debt they have at the time. All right. So now some experts uh, will say that you should avoid bankruptcy at all costs. You know, what are your feelings about that? I don't think those experts, those so-called experts, really understand the bankruptcy process and the bankruptcy system, and most importantly, the way the world responds to people who have filed bankruptcy. There is not the kind of stigma there used to be. Look, everybody who is listening to this podcast has been through at least one major economic meltdown uh, if you consider the 2008-2009 meltdown and now a second economic meltdown in light of COVID and um, you know we've all lived through the uh, huge inflation of the late 70s and early 80s and the stock market crash of the late 80s that led to a uh, an economic uh, bust in the early 1990s. You know, we all remember it's the economy stupid uh, campaign. So millions of people have filed for bankruptcy during our lifetimes. And it is not the stigmatized process that it used to be. It takes about a couple of years to recover uh, your credit profile from bankruptcy. So I just don't believe that there are significant negative ramifications to filing bankruptcy like those experts believe there are. Okay. Now, some might ask, well, yeah, if I file bankruptcy, can I lose my house? The short answer is yes, that could happen. And that's one of the reasons why you need to go to an attorney that is a recognized expert in the field before you would ever pull the trigger on filing a bankruptcy case. So depending upon the state you live in, see, this is what's very interesting. It is it, it, Bankruptcy is a federal process, so the laws are uniform around the United States, but Every state has their own exemptions. And an exemption is basically the, the property that you are allowed to keep, the property and the assets that you are allowed to keep, even though you are filing bankruptcy and not paying your creditors in full. And that is determined on a state-by-state -state basis. Now, there are federal bankruptcy exemptions, but most states don't allow you to take them uh, and they require you to take the, the state exemptions. And it's hugely different from state to state. For example, Florida has an unlimited homestead exemption, 
which means you're not going to lose your home if you file bankruptcy in Florida. Delaware has got a very generous bankruptcy exemption. It's like $125,000. California has just significantly increased the homestead exemption. Virginia doesn't even have a homestead exemption. And Maryland's got a homestead exemption of about $30,000. So depending upon where you are and how much equity you have in your home will depend upon whether or not you're going to have a problem in bankruptcy. This gets us into a question that is likely to come up later on, but I'm going to jump ahead now uh, because we're talking about keeping your home in bankruptcy, which is really the first question that clients have when they go to talk to a lawyer. How is this bankruptcy going to impact my home? In a Chapter 13 case, you don't necessarily lose your home because you have the opportunity to what I call buy back your equity from your creditors, which is let's say you've got uh, on top of exemptions and on top of mortgages and on top of anticipated uh, or estimated costs of sale, let's say you've got equity of $60,000 in your home. You can make a payment of $1,000 a month for 60 months to a chapter 13 trustee and that would buy back your equity. So let's say you've got $60,000 of equity in your home, but you owe $100,000 in, in medical and other debts. Well, when you finish paying that $60,000, you are going to be discharged of the additional $40,000. So you pay your $60,000 and you're finished. Now, on the other hand, let's say you've got $60,000 of, of equity in your home, but you only have $30,000 in debt. Then you're going to have to end up paying your creditors in full over the life of your Chapter 13 plan, and that's going to end up being about $500 a month over 60 months. So th this is a, a, an idea of what a homeowner should expect if they've got equity in their home and they want to consider filing bankruptcy. Now, that's good information, but they definitely should go to a bankruptcy attorney expert uh, who can explain it to them and uh, basically tailor what type of bankruptcy they should file and how they should approach the bankruptcy according to their particular financial situation and what kind of assets they have, correct? Absolutely correct. Folks, this is Steve Heisler, and I am speaking with bankruptcy expert Ron Drescher, and you are listening to the Injured Senior Podcast. Now, Ron, you, you mentioned uh, Chapter 13. Can you explain to our listeners the difference between a Chapter 7 bankruptcy and a chap Chapter 13 bankruptcy? Absolutely, and it's an important difference. Chapter 7 is what is typically called straight bankruptcy, where you file your bankruptcy papers, there's a trustee appointed who wants to see if you have any assets that could be sold to pay creditors. He's not, he or she, not a bad person, not a hostile person, typically, it depends upon the trustee, they're all different. They're, they're human beings, so they're going to respond to things differently. 
Um, they're not out to stop you from getting your bankruptcy. They're not going to come to your house and look at your stuff. They just want to see if you have assets that can be sold to pay creditors. The vast majority of people who file bankruptcy do not have assets that can be sold to pay creditors, in which case that's called a no-asset bankruptcy case. So you meet the trustee 30 or 40 days after you file the bankruptcy. Um, you have your lawyer with you. These days, they're all being done over Zoom. Hopefully, that will continue after the pandemic ends. After you meet with the trustee, creditors have 60 days to object to your bankruptcy. That almost never happens. You have to have committed some pretty serious fraud for there to be a, a, a legitimate objection to your bankruptcy, although there are some other less common reasons as well. If nobody objects to your bankruptcy within the 60 days after you meet with the trustee, the court will issue you a discharge order and close your case. So a typical Chapter 7 bankruptcy uh, lasts 90 to 100 days. Once you get that discharge order, your dischargeable debts go away. Creditors can't call you, they can't sue you, they can't garnish your wages, they can't contact your friends or relatives, they can't do any action um, to collect a debt that was discharged. The court's not going to tell you which debts were discharged. Uh, that's up to you to discuss with your lawyer. But typically, all debts are discharged except student loans and fairly recent taxes. Domestic support obligations aren't discharged. Those are the primary categories of debts that are not discharged. So that's Chapter 7. It's a nice, short, compact process that lasts 90 to 100 days. And typically, your life looks the same after you get a discharge as it was before you filed, except that you don't have these nagging, stressful debts hanging over your head. That's chapter seven. Chapter 13, I, I did a series of videos on my YouTube channel that uh, discussed there are about nine or 10 reasons why you would file a chapter 13 case. In a chapter 13 case, you're making a payment every month to a chapter 13 trustee uh, who is, is, does not have the same rights and powers as a Chapter 7 trustee. Chapter 13 trustee really just wants to see if the plan that you're going to propose to, to manage your debts uh, is acceptable. They're going to collect the money that you pay every month and they are going to distribute that money to creditors under the provisions of the plan that you file and the bankruptcy code. Like I said, there's like nine or 10 reasons why you would file a chapter 13. The main reasons are you've got too much equity in your property, so you wanna buy that back because you wanna keep your property. Or let's say you're behind on a car loan or a mortgage and you wanna catch that up because you wanna keep the car, you wanna keep the home. Chapter 13 allows you to do that. Or let's say you just make too much money and you're not allowed to be in chapter uh, seven under the bankruptcy laws. So those are the main reasons why you would file a chapter 
13. Um, but if you can get into a chapter 7, that's the preferred course because it's cleaner, it's quicker, it's easier. What happens if the hospital or you know the, the credit uh, collection company uh, for the hospital or for a medical professional or for the surgical center? What happens if they're calling while the uh, you know while the uh, debtor or the person who's following the bankruptcy they have contacted an attorney? and they've decided that they're going to go ahead and file chapter seven and they paid the attorney and now uh the attorney is starting to um starting the process of them filing chapter seven or chapter 13. but the hospital or the collection agency is threatening them or telling them that they better pay do they have to pay if they've already uh, started chapter seven the short answer steve is no they don't have to pay and in fact if they've already hired an attorney, but creditors like medical um, providers or collection agents are, are harassing them, what, the, uh, what they should do is they should say, I've hired Ron Drescher or whomever as my attorney. His number is 410-484-9000. Please direct all of your communications to his office. Once you tell the creditor or the collector those magic words, they have to stop bothering you. And they, and they have the right then to talk to your lawyer. Otherwise, they're violating the Fair uh, Debt Collection Practices Act. Right, and that's another, to, uh, n- another topic for another show. That's um, right. What happens if they're thinking about it? So they're getting... Uh, hostile calls from uh, the hospital collector or for uh, the doctor collector they're getting hostile calls and they're considering it should they start paying should they try to work out uh, a payment plan while they're deciding or or what's your recommendation I think before you pay a dime you should find out your legal options because you might enter into a payment plan and for three or four or five months pay you know, $200 a month and then say, you know what, this $200 a month, it's really hurting me. Um, I, I need to see a lawyer. So you'll, you'll call the lawyer and the lawyer will say, you are a great candidate for bankruptcy. And then you'll decide, yep, I'm gonna file the bankruptcy. At that point, once you're committed to filing the bankruptcy and your lawyer tells you that that you're a good candidate for bankruptcy, you should absolutely stop making those payments. But but me, I'd rather you see the lawyer before you make the payments because in the scenario I just described, you've kind of wasted $1,000. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah so, I- you know, make that decision now. What, what I tell my clients is, once you're committed to filing the bankruptcy and you know that you can file a, a bankruptcy that is going to give you relief from those debts, if you make a payment of $100, it's like taking that $100 bill, stepping into the bathroom, dangling that $100 bill over the toilet, dropping the bill in and flushing the toilet. That is exactly like what you have just done. And I, I can't uh, imagine most people are in a position where they really want to be doing that to $100 bills. 
I, I yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, injured senior nation, you have to remember that money is definitely uh, not scarce, but you know, when you're retired and if you're li- living on a limited income, money is hard to come by. So you don't, as Ron said, want to drop a hundred dollar bill in the toilet. Uh, so really, really consider your options uh, when you uh, are being faced with potentially uh, being sued by the hospital or the medical debt collector. So that's that's really something you need to really ponder. Uh, and uh, I thank you for that information, Ron. This is the latest episode of the Injured Senior Podcast. I am Steve Heisler, and I am talking with bankruptcy expert attorney Ron Drescher. Ron, are there good alternatives to bankruptcy for older people? Steve, there really are. Uh, And I'm going to talk to you about um, two major alternatives. No, I'm going to talk to you about three alternatives that, that a senior should consider. The first is a reverse mortgage where you've got equity in your property, you want to keep your property, you've got a certain amount of, of debt, so you want to take out the reverse mortgage, pay off the debt, and then you don't have a payment. Um, you just stay in your house as long as you're living, and you don't have a mortgage to pay. You've got to pay the taxes, you've got to pay the insurance. Uh, I've seen that as an excellent option for uh, for seniors. Uh, they've recently changed the rules. It used to be you had to be 62. I'm not sure that, that that's still the rules, but it, but it, they may have made it a little bit older. Uh, so that's option one. Option two is, you know, make yourself judgment-proof. Let's say you've got a home with some equity and you're older and you're planning on conveying your home to uh, uh, an adult child. You can convey that home during your lifetime and keep a life estate in the house. Uh, That might be a way that you you no longer have that house, so it's not likely that your creditor is going to be able to seize the house to, um, to, to pay the debts, Although there, you should before you do it, talk to a lawyer because there are a lot of traps in this method. But it is definitely something because a lot of you know older clients are considering uh, estate planning anyway. So you may want to do it as a form of debt planning as well. So they would talk to an estate planning attorney, estate planning, and a bankruptcy attorney. You, okay. you may need to get information from both experts. Right. Uh, and the third option. Uh, especially if you're living, if, if you don't have significant equity in your home or your assets and you're living on Social Security or a pension or, or a combination of those, is do nothing. Just do nothing. Because creditors can't seize your Social Security or pension payments to, to, to pay their debts. Those are exempt payments. So you may be in a situation where you're judgment-proof which means that, that even if they got a judgment, they wouldn't be able to collect anything from you. And you're living on uh, income that is exempt from the claims of creditors. So you can just do nothing. 
And, and I've had some clients that are comfortable with that uh, option, even though they're getting called a lot by the creditors because they know the creditors can't do anything. So they'll, they just don't answer the, the, the phone or they change their phone number or, or anything like that. And they're perfectly comfortable just not doing anything. A lot of my senior clients, they, they have that option and I explain it to them, but they would just feel more comfortable if the calls stopped and if the harassment efforts stopped and they end up filing the bankruptcy anyway. But it's a personal a judgment call for the client. Right. Is that Social Security disability and Social Security retirement uh, uh, monies that are exempt? Yes, they're exempt. And also, um, in almost every state, money that you collect on account of um, you know, a personal injury settlement or a claim is also exempt. So if, you, if you've been severely injured and you get a you know, $100,000 settlement from an insurance company, creditors can't take that. That's good news, that's good news. So on the reverse mortgage, I think one of uh, the concerns of our injured senior nation is that when they get the reverse mortgage, they have to sign their title of their home over to the reverse mortgage company. Is, is that true? No, that's not correct. A reverse mortgage is like any other mortgage. You continue to own your home uh, and you have a mortgage uh, against the home. And if you have enough equity, you could sell your home, pay off the mortgage, and keep the, keep the balance of the sales proceeds. What, what leads people to believe that uh, are a couple of things. First of all, there's the idea that, you know, you, you can live there as long as you are, are alive without having to make the mortgage payments. That means that principal and interest continue to accrue uh, as liens against the property. So depending upon your lifespan, if you live long enough, you won't have any equity in that home. Uh, you know, once you either die or you have to leave the house for whatever reason, and it's no longer your residence. At that point, it doesn't pay for you to try to sell the house. So Typically, you'll either turn it over to the lender at that time or the lender will foreclose at that time. But, but it's, it's not a, you know, you sign up for a reverse mortgage and therefore you automatically have no further rights in that home sort of thing. It's not that way at all. Right. But the reverse mortgage company, though, gets a second mortgage on the, uh, on the property, right? No, that's typically a first mortgage. Okay, so... They pay off the, uh, the the you know the mortgage holder, and then they they move to number one in in the, uh, in priority uh, in case uh, there's ever a problem. That's right. Or a lot of times there is no mortgage holder because the seniors have been living in that house for a long enough time that that they've paid off the mortgage. And but they're in a position where it pays. They want to get some cash, maybe to pay off some credit card bills or medical bills, um, or for any other reason. And they're just committed to living in that house for the rest of their lives. Now, can you do it too early in, in the uh, in the retirement process? No, in other words, if depends you depends on you, your situation. 
but sure, right. you, you could. It, it depends on what your estate planning is, what you want to leave to your, your children or your other you know, beneficiaries. Uh, there are lots and lots of factors that you have to consider before you take out a reverse mortgage. Right. And the, the dependents or the children, are they put at risk when you get a reverse mortgage? Well, they're not at risk, but there's a good chance that they're not going to inherit anything. Uh, depending upon how long the, the parents live. If the parents live long enough so that all of the principal payments and interest have accrued but haven't been paid, uh, then that's going to um, consume the equity in the house. And you could get to a certain point where there really is no equity in the house left for the heirs. So it can have that negative impact on the children, but it's not going to impose any payment obligations on the children. Okay, so they at risk, meaning that right that they would uh, cease to be able to uh, to inherit uh, the property. That's right. Okay, Ron, I have to say this uh, this half hour flew by. I really, really appreciate the information that uh, you've been giving to our injured senior nation. And I want to have you back because uh, there's so many other topics uh, that um, I think that you could be of great value to our listeners. Uh, you know, so we, we definitely want to have you back. Great stuff. Now, if our um, listeners want to get in touch with you, if they have a bankruptcy question uh, or you know, want to talk to you about something you, you discussed on today's podcast, how can they get in touch with you? Well, I, I laid out my telephone number earlier in the show, uh, 410-484-9000. Uh, my website is dresherlaw.com. That's D-R-E-S-C-H-E-R-L-A-W.com. There's a lot of information there. Uh, you can fill out a form or fill out a chat if, if you're more comfortable doing that. Um, and those are probably the best ways to reach me. How about if they want to go to your YouTube uh, channel or or uh, check you out on social media? How can they do that? On Twitter, I'm at Ron Drescher. Um, I've got a Facebook page for Drescher and Associates. I have a YouTube channel with over 200 videos. Um, uh, that That's 200 more videos than I have, Ron. <laughs> you know, I, I was into <laughs> video for a while, and uh, that's done well. Maryland bankruptcy lawyer or MD bankruptcy lawyer. Uh, but but if you Google Drescher video bankruptcy YouTube, you'll find me. If you Google Drescher video, you're going to get my cousin Fran's videos. Well, they might uh, prefer that over the Ron Drescher videos. I know they'll I probably, would. They'll, right, they'll probably get more laughs. And if yep. they want to go to, if they want to check out uh, Lyle Drescher's, <laughs> Lyle's uh, uh, YouTube page, how can they get to that? Therapy Gecko. You'll there find you Lyle. He's all over the place. Okay. And he's not, a, he's not affiliated with Geico. I just want to make sure. Not at all. Although I expect they'll be calling him to, uh, to set up an advertising campaign. <laughs> all right, Ron. Great stuff again. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for, uh, thanks for appearing on the show today. My pleasure, Steve. Thanks for having me. You got it. Injured Senior Nation, thanks for listening to today's episode. I want to again thank uh, Ron Dresser, attorney, for appearing on the show today. A lot of good material. 
If you love the Injured Senior Podcast, please go to your favorite podcast platform and give us a five-star rating and review. We would appreciate that. Uh, If you want to share your story on an upcoming episode uh, for anything that you think is relevant to uh, the Injured Senior Nation, I'm sure we'd love to hear about it, and there's a chance that we'll have you on the podcast. So you can go to steve at injuredseniorhotline.com. Uh, to uh, to get in touch with me, uh, and I'll be sure to answer your email, and who knows, you could appear on the show. So, until next week, my friends, I am so looking forward to next week's show. Stay safe, stay well, and I will talk to you soon. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Injured Senior Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share on Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Connect with us at InjuredSeniorPodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter. To find out more or to get help at any time, visit InjuredSeniorPodcast.com or call 855-622-6530. That's 855-622-6530.